All right. Uh, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast, we're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Truce in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Morris. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? Great. We're, we were just, uh, before before we were recording, we are having a, a, a brief discussion about um, the Truck Henge Farm and um, <laughs> how... Uh, all the Grateful Dead hippies might have been onto something. The bear, great icon. Um, we're we're gonna get into some uh, post-COVID, uh, post-civilization vibes. Maybe I don't know. Um, One hundred. But yeah, no. Um, revenue too. The revenue everybody's wearing first. <laughs> I'm I'm cool with that too. Uh, <laughs> I Peta Peta can fight me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah um what i guess you you I've, I've read a few interviews of yours and like there's i'm sure there's plenty of stuff out there about like your like you i i read like you talking about like getting fruity loops and like kind of some of your early music making stuff but what you did mention in one or two interviews that i wanted to know more about from like early on was you said that uh, your mom is a professor and teaches like a history of music class. Yes, yeah, where... teaches a... I'm yeah. sorry, go on. No, yeah, where, where does she where does she teach and what's okay? Her, her main day to day is she teaches at Topeka High, my other alma mater, but she also teaches a course at uh, the University of Kansas. It's a history of black music course. I don't know what the exact term, uh, like how it's spelled out in the syllabus, but. It's, it's literally that. And I think it's actually splintered into another one that's like specifically about hip hop. So I think she teaches a couple of like courses that are all housed under the African-American studies department um, at KU. Oh, that's awesome. Do you, <laughs> have you, I'm, I'm guessing you haven't like actually like taken a whole class of hers for a semester? <laughs> no, but it's I'm really sure, I'm sure you get like bits of knowledge. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that would be a completely different lens, honestly, seeing her in that realm. Cause I know it's like a bunch of athletes take the class cause I think they can just like pass it. And it ends up being a little bit more challenging than they thought. And she's like, not really like giving anybody any passes. So um, I do remember one year when I still lived here, my, all my good friends took her course cause they knew her and they loved her. And I remember getting like a lot from them kind of like about how much fun they were having in the class and the types of discussions that they suddenly found themselves in with her being sort of a facilitator, just yeah. like that course in itself starts like a lot of conversation. And so I think in a weird way, that's kind of where I come from, just like a lot of talk or dialogue about music in a way that's like, puts music at the focal point. It's like a, a serious rally point. It's almost kind of like the fulcrum that history kind of like teeters on. And like a lot of the conversations that my parents like brought me into or I was exposed to like young, you know? So much so that my mom just like, she teaches a course about that. And in her world, you know, the Marvins, the Michaels, the Princes, these are people who are like, uh, James Brown, these people are like gods or almost like people who history is like intertwined with like moments that they release albums moments that they toured moments where at one point james brown i think performed on the night that maybe uh, mlk was shot don't quote me on that but i'm pretty goddamn sure and it caused like a riot like like these these types of things so um that's kind of where i sort of come from in a way where music is just somehow like 
the most important part of like the picture, even yeah. if it's just the background, it suddenly is the foreground for these folks. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's like, certainly, like, you, you don't have to look at music like that, you know, there are always going to be people that are like, oh, I like this song, I like this band, and like, that's the end of it. And, you know, and there's, it's not like people need to, like, Im imbue it with like, such a, a powerful thing all the time. But like, I think it's a it's a helpful lens for people that are really interested in music and like it's a yeah it's a kind of i'm sure it's really helpful in like learning about other historical stuff and yeah just looking at it like that um oh and yeah the other thing i want because you, know, like, you, like, you know how there's like all those amazing songs before yeah. Gump. and when they made that movie you could tell that those cats like cared about the songs in which the moment that they like happen and that's kind of like how i think my family is is about like music you know they're just like intertwined the music is up full volume yeah <laughs> no and i was i was thinking about this even oh well i want to talk about the the pop morris series later but even like when i was when i've listened to those mixes before like i feel like you you're like also the type of person that like you you think about like some some event or just some like even just like hearing a f word or a phrase and like you instantly think of like a song to go along like i don't know i feel like i kind of like i'll just have a conversation with somebody and they'll they'll mention like just some like kind of random term or phrase and i'll be like oh that's that's like that one song or i heard yeah. a lyric like that and like yeah th i think some people just like I'm sure people do this with like films and you know what other whatever other types of art, but for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, sometimes the synergy when they get that right, you're like, oh man, like yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Because no, because what made me think that when listening to Pop Morris was when like I don't know. I feel like I think there's sometimes in when you're like blending songs where like there will be a, a keyword that's in like both of the songs. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you thought to mix that because of that word. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, that on its face. It kind of ends up just being like sort of a pun in that way because yeah. I just like, that was the, like the thread somehow <laughs> tied the two ideas together in my mind. I'm not really a lyric guy, but like sometimes like I'll just pick out two words. Even, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you nailed it. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I, I I don't consider myself a lyric guy either. Like there's like there are albums and songs that I've listened to like over a hundred times, and I could not like that. I still can like maybe tell you the chorus of, and it's just one hundred. Yeah, I am bad at gripping things like that. Absolutely. Um, uh, you also have mentioned before that your dad is a DJ. For um, sure. And he, he's worked at like a few different radio stations over the years. Yeah. 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 No, um, locally or not here. Well, okay. He, when he was in college, he was on the radio at K state. So he played music there. He was really into house music at that time. So he may have been one of the first people to ever play house music on uh, the college station there. May, that may or may not be true. But um, then he moved kind of all over the place. And for like the last like 20 years, he's been in DC. Um, he's kind of like an older guy now, so he's not as maybe prominent as he used to be. But in the meanwhile, my sister uh, is on the radio too, full time. That's like her job. So she kind of like took over the family business in a sense. Um, sure. well, in some ways, good. Sorry, no, sorry. 
I was just going to say Pop Morris, this season ended up being sort of like uh, both an ode to the radio, but also sort of a jab at the family business. If you know that that's so much in my background, like I got a chance to sort of like cosplay uh, an experience that might be similar to what my dad or my sister might find themselves in, you know? And uh, I remember even when I, I played it for my sister, the first time she was just kind of like, so do you want to be on the radio? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure you kind of feel like maybe like a, like a kind of the, the black sheep in that sense, just cause like you're, sure. you're being kind of like, uh, not, not, what's the word I'm looking at? Not, not like rebellious, but like you're kind of subverting like kind of radio yeah. tropes and like themes and stuff kind of. And it, uh, you know, it also put, it's kind of almost like a Mars versus Venus sort of thing, because like them as great personalities and great DJs, both my sister and my dad are amazing DJs, but they're aggregators. So they pick the best moments out of music that's made and they string it together. And I do that too. So I know that, but on the other hand, I'm also a creator. And so these two are sort of uh, diametric, they're like opposed to one another in a lot of ways. Like the creator and the aggregator need one another, but they don't always work in like harmony. I think that yep. we have like sort of like a misunderstanding. And so that's kind of like in a way the rebelliousness that you sort of, you're describing. Yep. Because like as someone who has to go out and make it, I require sort of a fearlessness, sort of a, I, I, I shoot, shoot from my gut a lot of the time. And they come from a much more like tried and true sort of way. They've banged these joints in the club, they know what people walk off of. They like, they're like, it's like, they're like sort of scientists in that way. And they're very, very good at it. Um, but I, I understand both worlds, but you know, you just talk about this rebelliousness and I kind of feel like that's how it like more materializes itself in our relationships, you know? It's <laughs> your, that's your, your, your punk rock energy that you've always seemed to had, I guess. Yeah. I gotta say, fuck that, man. I gotta, I gotta do my own thing. I gotta do my own thing. Yeah. So, um, so your your dad is playing a lot. You mentioned like he was playing a lot of house music and stuff. And I know that like like DC, Baltimore, and also uh, you guys were in Philly at one point. Yeah, so, for sure. Like, and those, yeah. those are all like really important scenes well, for yeah all the all the club music and stuff. So what is, sure. is he is he still mostly just doing like house music and stuff, or has that always kind of just been his thing, or is he? He loves it, man. My yeah. dad is like the number one house fan. Like he goes, he travels to Chicago every year for like this older house head convention called the Chosen View, I think. And it's like, if you went there, it'd just be like 45 to like 55 year old black folks dressed kind of like <laughs> in all white linen, dancing the fucking house music like all weekend. Um, It's really, really cool. He goes to camps. It's like a thing. Um, he's super into it. He really loves Baltimore club music. And in Baltimore, you can hear it on the radio. Yeah. So just driving through there, I heard it a lot. And when I lived there, he never, you know, in some ways he's like really conservative. But when I wanted to go out and dance, which was something I did a lot when I was younger, he was always cool with me going to crime ridden Baltimore to go find my, my fun. Like I kicked it in Baltimore a lot. And he like just gave me the pass just because I think he understood club music and sort of what you know what it, what it was yeah. in a way you know he, he really likes it but i think what 
makes money for him is mostly just like kind of like hip hop and R&B. So he he's really good at that. Like he it's more like a radio style DJ where you can just like bang out all of those joints in a row, kill it. Nobody's ever going to walk off. It's going to be great. But if you let him get in his bag, he's going to play just like house music. <laughs> he's going to play house music like all night long. And is is your sister doing stuff in in the similar vein to that, or does she yeah. branch off into well, stuff? She's, you know, what I, I don't know that she's really na- made a name for herself as a DJ because, like, what really pays the bill for her, I think, is probably being a radio announcer. So she just goes and does that. And uh, the the DJ who's part of her duo, you know, I think she does the talking and he does the DJing. Like this kid is incredible. He's got this guy's name is Malcolm X, and his mashups, his blends, like I, I played behind him before and it just like knocked my socks off. So like, I honestly don't even think that she has to step behind the ones and the twos, at least not on the radio anymore. Cause this cat has like all sewed up. Like he's like Pop Morris on like steroids. It's just, it's insane. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, oh yeah. So you, you mentioned, you were talking about how, uh, you, you came back to Topeka over the last few months and you, sure. you had been in Los Angeles just for several years before that. Yeah. I think like years. seven years, yep. seven years. I think I, I moved there in like 2013. Oh yeah. And so um, you kind of mentioned that um, like, well, you, you had, you've talked before about like how it was kind of necessary to just, I, I figure for like just professional reasons to, to be out there just making connections and stuff like that. So uh, what, I guess I was curious what made you feel like it was like safe or like a a smart move to, to come back at this point. Like, do you feel like you've kind of just reached everyone you can out, out there for the time being, I guess. I mean, at this moment, there is no loss. Like being there is like to be in a very claustrophobic situation. Like you could barely, be outside without it's like yeah it's it's intense it's like an intense i think it's like the most populous county in america but it also has like the highest rate of covid so just like the amount of anxiety just like being there was so high man i remember just like the that that perfect like nexus of george floyd covid earthquake it woke me up at like three in the morning, rippled through my fucking apartment. I just woke up and was just like, this is too much. Helicopters flying over my shit. And so I kind of came out over the summer, just kind of like peak vibes, see what was good. And then when I, well, as soon as I got back, it was just like, you know what? Maybe it would be a good time to just like draw it. And at that point, I'm still thinking about the election. I'm, all this crazy shit's going on. I'm like, maybe let's just like ease back. There is no real reach do all you can do. It's like, there's, there's nothing to do. Like at least between the months last year of like, fuck July and January, it was, or December, it was completely just washed. There was nothing to do. You could not go anywhere. You could not, there's just nothing. There's nothing. So at least here, I feel like it's a little bit better for my mental. I'm like surrounded by like my family. Like I can kind of like, even though it's like a little less pretty, I'm like getting a little bit more stimulation like day to day. I think I, something about the flow here is getting a little bit, it's like a little bit better for me in terms of what uh, what, what LA was giving during pandemic conditions. But you know, when it opens up, 
we'll we'll see what that situation looks like you know at the for the time being though it's kind of like i don't know if that's (laughs) i don't think that's the way i was talking uh i'll put it to you this way i was talking to some friends like there in la and i kind of like a lot of my experience with people there who were from there was just kind of like me putting them almost on a pedestal like feeling like they were really privileged in a way like they never would have to travel anywhere for Christmas, they'd always be there, surrounded by palm trees. Everything would be awesome. They went to high school probably with somebody famous. They were like, I mean, you grew up in LA. But when the shit started going down between, like I said, the protest and especially the pandemic, all these things kind of compounded, just like things became very scarce. You couldn't get wet wipes or toilet paper. People getting all these guns and shit in LA. Like this is like terrifying. You almost can't have enough bars in your windows. But I'm talking to my friends and they're like, you know, I wish that I could get out of the city. And so suddenly I started thinking about my position as somebody from Kansas as being a point of privilege, that I I actually had like a secret hideaway that I could sneak away to whenever I felt like it was enough. I could just like ease away for however long, you know? And uh, I think that's kind of where the farm idea sort of started to come from was really just being like, well, how far can I receive into my own mix and still also be, you know, vital as an artist, still dig into my art practice, but really experience life from a different perspective, not one that's like so eye to eye with what's happening like every single moment, more hidden with somebody from somebody who's like more tuned in with their own inner world and the art just being a reflection of that. It's almost in its best is like, a genius but in its worst is kind of like an oddity sort of thing it's like look how weird it is when they are by themselves <laughs> kind of shit if this makes sense we're have, have you been super interested then in like uh kanye's whole like oh yeah wilderness thing right now too for sure i mean everybody's like i'm watching everyone embark on their own experiment and so there really is no wrong answer his is extremely intriguing to watch because like he has a ton of finance. And so watching him leverage all of the money, even if it means that he has to like freak out on the internet to make the contracts work out the way that he wants to, it's just like, he's wringing the towel out, trying to get as much dough as possible to make this like rural dream happen. And so just me as someone who's also trying to make my own version go, I, I can't help but wonder like, is that the X factor? Like, is my dream going to be more successful with the more money that you put in it? But I, something tells me it's almost like the exact opposite. The more simple that you can keep it, the better. But like I said, it's all, everybody's on their own experiment because there's like no blueprint. We get to just like watch his almost like a reality show and I get to like toil mine. No, whatever dubs I get to catch in building mine, I'll share on Twitter or however I decide to share it. But it won't be like Kanye's where his wife is leaving him and it's on the news and like all of it's like happening in the public, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's funny. I, you, I'm, I think I read an interview where like someone had asked you who you would like like love to work with most at some point. And I think you said Rihanna and Kanye. For and sure. Post like all of the like kind of MAGA weirdness is is kanye someone you would still like kind of seek a cosign from because i feel like <laughs> the, the kanye cosign may have like kind of peaked at Yeezus, yeah, so did. But... <laughs> so did. now it's like cringe yeah are, are you still, so you're not still interested in that are you 
you know, at this point, man, like, it, it, it's so hard to say. I, I go work for him under the right circumstances. I mm. think it's kind of like, as I kind of continue to gain more skills, it would be interesting to see, like, you know, I'm just living my life and I'm like working on my own more shit. I don't wake up and think about Kanye West. Um, so like with that in mind, it would be the more time that goes on that we're like not working with one another, whatever point our, our, our ex was to, to happen to overlap, it would be interesting to see what skills he's able to pull from me in that moment. You know, like right now I'm working on fucking candles, doing mashups, doing all this different podcast doing all this different shit seems like what he does is when he grabs you he just seeps on what you're doing so just depending on what moment we were working together it might depend on what that might if it might be a good idea or not you know like there's been times in my life where i thought i had the the both the the volume of beats that it requires to make but also the sound like i knew what he would want in like 2015 2016 so like i was in a good spot but if I wanted to continually collaborate with him, my vision didn't extend that far past like a beat. I wasn't really farming. I wasn't really working on candles. I wasn't really getting my hands into all these different layers of manufacturing. I wasn't really, I wasn't trying to build my own farm at that point. So it's like, as time goes on, it's like, it may be a point where it's, it may be more, it might make more sense. Even. Yeah. I might have more to offer to the situation than I had previously thought, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It um, was all on my hard drive, but now it's kind of like more like in my head or something. I'm more thinking of myself more as an idea person. And in that way, I can be more valuable. Lots of different types of conversation, not just like in front of the Ableton. It's like, okay, well, what are we thinking about fragrance? What are we thinking about? packaging and design what are we thinking like i can suddenly fulfill these roles a little bit better because i'm i'm sitting in that like more like individually myself yeah um another thing like what i was kind of thinking about also when it comes to you being back in kansas at least for now is sure. that um like i don't know like a few years ago when i first came across your music and everything um I, w I was just like really like kind of impressed by like like certain like collaborations you've done and just uh where like where where your work has been and whatever so i don't know i think it's really weird though because like since you you've been in los angeles for such a time um I feel like there's a lot of people my age and younger in Kansas City that would be like blown away by by like all of the stuff you've been able to do so far, but like just don't know about it. Um, just because, yeah, you're. I don't know. Do Do you feel like you kind of just keep to yourself more I didn't spend than any time other like, artists? Yo, okay, yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. I think just more specifically, I didn't spend any time like digging into Kansas City. Like my like my leg into what was happening even after I left was Bear Club and it did never reach past Lawrence. Yeah. So it's like now that I'm sort of here, I mean, I don't know if you've seen like sort of my paper flyering campaign that's sort of just been sort of tooling with just I, like I've seen I've seen you post pictures of them. I haven't seen them in the wild 
They're in Tufiga. They're in Tufiga. I haven't, you know, I haven't gone to Kansas City really. So uh, I, I, I put them up. I should try maybe get together a street team or something. Yeah. But I, I, more so, I'm just like you're. You're seeing me kind of like try and understand more about what the environment is because I think when it comes down to it, also some of the things that I was pro- programmed to do and things that I was programmed to react to like we're very Los Angeles type thing. And those types of situations don't happen here. It's like, even before COVID, it's just like a complete different game. But that doesn't mean that you can't be, that doesn't mean that people can't be aware of what you're doing. That doesn't, I just you gotta put the time in. So now I'm sitting here like literally with my hands in it, sitting in it, thinking about how I can be way more useful in the area in which I come from, you know, like just, I think maybe I even had a chip in my shoulder too. When I moved to LA, I was like, bro, I want to do these things. I want to just blow my own expectations away. And in a lot of ways, I think I did that. Like I did things I never thought I was going to do. And there's probably still more things to do, but just in terms of letting people know, hear about what those things were, it was like (laughs) not even a priority. Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) I think like, yeah, it would have been like too easy, I think to, uh, like, you know, some, some other artists like comp accomplishes like one of these things that you've done. And like, that's just the only thing I'm sure they would talk about for like years and years, but <laughs> like you're, you're sitting and yeah, you don't want to like rest on it and you want to just keep, keep building on it. But, but now, now that you are back, I feel like it, yeah, it wouldn't hurt um, your, your situation to like, let, like remind people like what, what has happened so far. 100 percent I, so I did i did like figure out a quick like uh i don't know what <laughs> you would call it a, a maybe a collaborative collaboration highlight reel maybe oh, like okay cool if, if anyone listening like just for the people listening i'm gonna run through some of these things really quick maybe okay, cool. just cool. just so, just so they know because okay, e- cool. even even a few of these things i didn't know until like i was reading <laughs> stuff like a week ago okay cool um you toured with fka twigs you you did dj sets opening her one of her tours uh you've done you did like at least a couple shows with k trinata also right yeah yeah i think we did (laughs) one in montreal we might have done two in montreal low-key i only played with him in canada and then at the the bear club raves way back you you hosted mickey blanco and riffraff for sure and um and umping emilu played there that they had like their first oh we, we dubbed it the all girl rave but it was like her emma and like all of her friends like took over a goomba rave and it ended up being so so good that i remember being so stressful for me because we had never had all techno all night but that was what they wanted to do and they did it and it was a blast and like maybe three years later disc woman was like a thing you know it was like that like extended but jamal's got some really good footage we should probably put it online oh yeah that was our biggest dub as far as they're mickey and then we're cool and just hosting emma and like her crew at that time when it was like still such a baby of an idea it was like amazing just to see it no and to finish up you have you also have production work with leaf Kalella and Ian Isaiah. Yeah, for sure. I I saw. I didn't realize that Ian was uh, in uh, Deb's band on that uh, when they were on the the Igor tour, and that was like crazy. That 
Like, and likewise, Lee or Deb was in Leap's band when Leap played on David Letterman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Rocks. Like I think played I, bass, plays guitar. No, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen footage of Leaf like playing with the band. Yeah, it exists. It exists on Letterman. No, yeah, like those- I think I, th- I think the only time I've seen Leaf was just him like solo at Riot Room, and, oh, yeah. and I think I think he might have had dancers with him, yeah. maybe. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, that was a cool show. Um, oh, and then uh, something I I know you. I think you've you've bumped into Frank Ocean a couple of different times. You <laughs> haven't like worked on anything, as far as I know, right? No, no, no. I, I think I remember you posting about running into him at a burger restaurant. Yeah, me and Jamal yeah. were getting burgers drunk at Umami Burger. We were DJing at the Ace and left a long record playing. We ran downstairs, and uh, Frank Ocean was there at the bar, and it was just like we just like ran up on him. I was like, "Bro, are you Frank Ocean?" He was like. Yeah, it's like, let me shake your fucking hand. <laughs> but I had met him one time before that, actually, on the uh, FKA Twigs tour. Yeah, like I were, had, it was the, the session with at, at Robert Pattinson's house with. Oh, yeah. Well, that was just also that was that was with Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah. That was with Earl Sweatshirt. But I, I, met, I met Frank for the first time at the FKA Twigs. Oh, yeah. Was what I was gonna say. And then the second time was with at the Ubami Burger. And I, I got the beats from me and Earl and Twig shit, but it's like, it's like so, it's like unfinished forever. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure that's that was okay. a weird time, whatever, whatever that was like. Yeah, I mean Robert Pattinson really just wanted to make a beat. He was sitting in his like living room and shit, like that's like his his shit, and she had to just be like, bro, step out, we're gonna do this, let's go. Has has he like released music before, or is he just like have doing a fun hobby thing with them? Oh, no. He had a bunch. Yeah, he has a bunch of dough. So if he like wants to be into yeah. anything, he can. So his living room was like mine. It was just like beat lab, piano, mics. Like it was just like set up, just like a guy, nigga who makes beats. Like <laughs> you look like he hosted sessions there or something like that. But she and did. <laughs> Ever gotta look out on the next twigs album see if there are any pattinson beats i don't know wow shia labeouf would be shook <laughs> he'd be shook oh man like, speaking of down bad our our man yeah. shia right now i know i know they're still releasing movies of his right now too so he's yeah. like they're keeping his name in the press like a lot uh at least if you like you get canceled and you're like a, an artist or like a producer like you just stop putting out music you go hide away like yeah. this cat it, the film studio is still running his name out there and shit you know he's like uh, he's he's super down bad <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah wait no because he what what is he in that just came out is there like it's is is it some movie, movie about, on netflix yeah yeah it's about a movie about a woman who gives a home pregnancy and apparently it's amazing so it's yeah, actually it's in my queue something of a woman or yeah i don't know yeah she's like having a home home at home birth and i think it goes like uh awry but i think he may pay, play the baby daddy i'm not sure and i hate, it I, looked, hate like, I hate when the home birth goes awry it's just- i know <laughs> i know it sounds like this is like a, a tragedy i gotta gotta tap in yeah um oh another something i wanted to touch on at least though was um you you spent some time uh studying film and 
I, I know I'm sure it like kind of comes in handy when you're figuring out like like promotional stuff and like music stuff but I don't know I was I was curious who maybe some of your favorite directors are okay damn that's a really good question no one's literally ever asked me that um I watch a fair amount of movies I think like less now uh I didn't I didn't like film school was more like a social thing like I got like into film because I wanted to be a cartoonist mm. so I think Loki a lot of like the my favorite like filmmakers are cartoonists. Like I will forever love Mel Blanc. I will forever love Tex Avery. Like these are like like textbook. And then the people who kind of came through to try to blur those lines, the Roger Rabbits of the world, like these movies were really impactful on me as a kid. And especially as a black person, like black animation is like a whole piece of rent-free real estate in my mind. Like where I'm thinking about Proud Family and Bebe's Kids and Black Muppets and <laughs> like uh, like all of that kind of shit. So I think really that just like that is like my favorite. But you know, there's some like textbook sort of filmmakers that I will forever follow. You know, like I, I love Hitchcock. I've probably seen like a, too many of the films. Um, I'm watching actually Werner Herzog's Masterclass right now. Uh, my homie like Pirate did all the my masterclasses. So nice. like three episodes even into that. Um, I like, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I like filmmakers who like, for better or for worse, just like continue to make movies. I think people who like only have like a few films out are like not, they, they're like not people that I really like fixate on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a majority of filmmakers. I think uh, some people like really focus just like on one film, but I'm like one of those guys who likes the dude who does a few bad movies, a few good movies, movies you've never heard of. Like uh, I really lo love, um, what's that guy's name? Steven, Soder Steven Soderbergh. Like I think Steven Soderbergh makes amazing movies and his like rap sheet is like ridiculous. Like he's made movies for popcorn. I think he made Ocean's Eleven, but he's also made movies that he shot like on his handy cam. Um, these types of things. I like that. Oh yeah. So I, I, it, I would guess then that like it, it just kind of seems like you're into the the auteur then. And yeah, that's the word, the auteur. Yeah, that's it. I like the auteur I like a lot. Yeah, because like yeah, those those are mostly people who are yeah making movies like their whole lives, and and I feel like you also appreciate on the on the music end like just the like yeah like the lifelong songwriters who go through like lots of different phases and you know some better than others because I I know you you appreciate michael jackson's music and prince's yep. music and like, sure. i'm sure you've studied some of that pretty closely and yeah they're like yeah like like those filmmakers that are yeah kind of known for like different eras and uh, uh but still having like a distinct voice throughout it for sure i love that especially especially in filmmakers though you know mm -hmm. like i love terrence malick terrence malick makes some of the best movies like of all time but he's been making movies for like 40 years, you know, uh, it's like a lot to kind of like take in. And I appreciate that. I kind of go slow. I don't really like binge. I sort of, a dude has been making movies for that long. I'll, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. I kind of go, I go really, really slow. It may take me years to get through the whole filmography, just knowing that there are some left, wait for the cat to die, etc. <laughs> do you, do you have like, uh, like animation or, or film, like ideas that like like screenplays or stuff that you want to like pitch to people 
at some point or yeah. have you not developed anything that far yet? I've never developed anything that far, but I, you know, it's always, it's on my mind. And I remember when I was a super deluxe, I got about as far down that road as I possibly could. Suddenly there were people with cameras, people who like took my ideas really seriously. I did some like writing room work there with Zach Fox and some other people just, to, and Fat Tony just to create really funny content. And for the first time it seemed like people were taking my visual ideas maybe even more seriously than my music. It was like, okay, cool. Um, but then they went out of business. They got, they got shut down. So I was like right there on the precipice. But I think if anything, just my experience in that world and thinking about it makes me wish or maybe sort of imagine a world where like being an artist could be more project-based. Cause like a, as a filmmaker, you know, you come out with the, the sketch of the film, the script, and maybe you have like uh, some, some ideas visually on mood board or something like that. Then you go chase down financiers and the financiers end up being producers and then they see the film get made. I wish, like my my job would be a lot easier, I think, as like a musician, if I could work that way. If I could walk into a room and sort of pitch sort of these patrons or these producers on, on, on an idea and just be like, and this is gonna take me like 7K to get it done, round trip. Let me just get that. Um, I think my product would be like a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> but that's unfortunately not how it works. That's how movies work, not music. Yeah, do you, do you think that that is just because like, some people are like just so visual that like when they see the mood board, they can actually put it together in their head. And like, it's, it's harder to communicate that just with, with musical music. stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, obviously the profit margin is so much higher on a film, like a movie, they make their, their money two times, three times back. They're not happy unless they make it two or three times back, really like a CD or album, even the most successful is like, we're continually scaling our, expectations back even for taylor swift or like the supposed largest artist in the room at a particular moment it's like our expectations for them starts to recede as like the product music is to be less valuable you know yeah no it's not it's not like a movie. not not a good time for that. Are, it almost seems like a movie is appreciating because there's like all these different outlets that you can get your movie put out on HBO Max, Netflix, you, there's all these different people that you can take your pitch to and they might green light your, your, your production. Yeah. Whereas an album, I feel like the doors are starting to shut. Like the best you could hope for is like, I, I don't even know what you best you could hope for in this situation. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, you can get, you can do like an HBO original or a Netflix original, but like, I don't, as far as I know, Spotify and Apple music are not like funding like new albums to be made like i'm sure they have some projects like that yeah and, like, drake they do like the the radio shows and the like yeah, the, short, yeah. the movies and stuff but yeah nothing like it yeah just a, a straight up like funded album in the same way yeah. not to say it's not going to be like that but it's not that way now but i do think that the parallel model at this point is like gofundme patreon type of situation where people can kind of see this sort of idea coming together they can see the trials and tribulations of like trying to see that idea come to fruition and then they can also help you finance it and i think that's more or less what a producer would do in that like traditional filmmaker sense yeah. if that makes sense oh, yeah and i i don't know like really anything about the just the whole uh ecosystem of like movie production but i i i have like i i, I think i listened to some interview with uh, this actress who also is like starting to direct 
and like her i guess her first movie is like a is gonna like she's directing is kind of like a horror movie even though she's not like super interested in the genre but only like there's apparently there's just like a really big niche for like independent horror movies and like it's even bad independent horror movies yeah, no, so. like apparently yeah it's super easy to make your money back even on like a kind of mediocre horror movie right now so that's <laughs> that's weird to me but yeah. i'm into it makes sense to me i mean you, you it's almost like the worst the better in that in that particular genre yeah you might get like a raspberry or something yeah um well where was, where was i gonna go with that oh yeah no i i did want to know more about um when your work at uh, Super Deluxe, because I feel like I only found out about it like pretty late in the process. But like, what? Yeah, what was the whole? Uh, like, how how did you get hired there? And like, what was some of the work you got to do there? That was a really cool thing. Um, my friend Leon worked there as a sound guy, but he also worked um, at a DIY venue called Non Plus Ultra as a sound guy, and so he. Uh, I think he ended up having his hands full in a way. And so he was like, hey, would you like to come over to Super Deluxe and work as the sound guy for like, I'll split half my shifts with you. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And I think he even was just like, yeah, this would just be a guy to come in and sort of fill my boots. But when I got there, I immediately just like kind of clicked up with the team. It was just like, it like lined up really, really well. So, you know, what was supposed to be sort of a temporary thing ended up being me getting on the payroll, they started developing all this new content. And so I was getting called in in all these different capacities. Like officially I'd show up and set up the live audio for the, the live side of performance. And so any sort of, they always had this stream going with all this kind of like wild shit going on. So I'd have live mics going on if there were speakers and just being a sound guy and it would all go into Ableton. And then at the end of it, you know, when they when you shoot a TV show or a movie, the audio and the, the video get captured on two separate devices, like unlike your camcorder, which puts it together. So I was also in charge of what's called speeding, which is where I made sure that the audio was there to, and, and tracking with the with the video, you know? So that was part of my uh, my day-to-day requirements. But then as it became obvious that it was like, there was more going on, there really, frankly, there was just more black people walking around, like Bat Tony, Zach Fox, his kid Nagashi Armada. There were like a lot of like, kind of heads coming in carrie foe um there were like a bunch of like just heads chucky english so they ended up kind of developing a show out of like sort of just casual hangs and that ended up i mean i think we only got two episodes in before super deluxe went under but that could have been amazing i think it was called at the end of the day with zach fox and uh yeah i was in the writing room with that for like since day one we just kind of like hatched what that was going to look like with um, the producer, director, Daniela, and kept it moving. And it was a really rewarding experience for me because I just was like, okay, so this is how it gets done. Yeah. Uh, hang on one second. What's up, mom? Uh, okay. 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 Sorry, my mom is like... <laughs> Are you good? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was like, you know, it was a, it was a cool thing for me, you know? Uh, it just does a guy who just does purely music. It's like, okay, maybe there's more out there for like the, uh, f- for me, you know? Oh, and man, that this is, that's, that's terrible though. Cause like there was the, there, there was this show with Zach Fox and then he gets, he gets the vice show and that like gets well, canceled that was, after like five. That was, our show 
was the the sort of the the it, that was like the 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 test like they didn't have to like do anything like we we alley ooped to them they took Pat Tony over there too you know yeah. and we had been tooling around with Thrift Hall at that point for like months you know so they took the best of what we were doing there in that moment and tried to upsell it but really it just wasn't time and they did themselves dirty because it was really just a positioning play to try and take down Jesus and Marrow and those guys are Goliath. So no matter how funny, no matter how cool, like they're never gonna be able to be as cool as Jesus and Mero. I'm sorry, Tony, sorry, Zach. Man, it, it, Vice just continues to fuck up their own shit. It seems like despite knowing knowing all like the right people and having some kind of budget, I don't know, it's weird. But it's fucked, man. <laughs> it's uh, fucked. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked. No comment. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I wanted to get into some of, um, the music you've released in, in the last year. Um, cool. do you want to say, I, I, I think I have to go on a somewhat, maybe not somewhat, a, a brief apology tour, um, to all of the people I have offended with blog posts from when I was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> you, you are one among them. I oh, are you I was offended? Yeah, I okay, because no, I wrote this down. I I included the song you did with Aaron Cartier in okay. a roundup and I essentially called the production dumbed down trap. Okay, okay, I forgot about this. When, when, yeah, I was I was concerned that you just hated me since then. No, no, no. <laughs> but when when I really could have said something just like simplified or reconstructed or just yeah. you, if I put five more minutes of thought into it, it would have. I understand. I, I appreciated it, but it would have made more. It's like slightly pre Playboy Cardi too. So that now, if you if you hear Playboy Cardi, a lot of his music sounds like that, where it's just like yeah, copy and paste like copy and paste where they're like it's like it's, it sort of whips you into a trance because it's the same take used over and over and over again if that makes sense and that's kind of what that was it's like this play on sort of repetition you know yeah so yeah now, but now he's like hyperpop god too like he's like in a whole other realm aaron cartier like i could there's probably a room i could walk into and be like yo i got a song with that cat and they'd be like what <laughs> I, I haven't listened to any of his uh like he put out an album like late last year right Sure. I, actually, I really don't know. It just bubble up into my uh, my feed because of like Young Skirt. But he's like a hyper pop dude. Like he makes really crazy music. And obviously, Dylan, Dylan Brady produced and directed like his first videos. Like those guys are clicked yeah. up hella. So there's a connection. But I was like pretty surprised at what I heard. Very. It's not too different from what we made, but it's like pretty out the window. No. Yeah. There, that's a that's a very like. It's it's hard to exactly i feel like place because like there is like the big spotify hyper pop playlist that's been around for like at least a year or two but like pe people people are like kind of latching on to that that term the term and, like yeah just artists like locally that i know they're like oh yeah I'm, i make hyper pop i'm like that's it's yeah. weird that it's caught on in such a way but like a lot of the music's as a guy the guy who tried to create his own genre, it's funny to me because people thought my genre name was weird, but then this one, 
uh, they let a, a Spotify playlist algorithm put it together and give it a name and they love it. So it's yeah. like, it's almost seems like people love the NPCs more than they love the real players at this point. <laughs> like straight up. And, and, and Morris is a real player. Um, I am a real player. Maybe the, <laughs> yeah, the, the main character, maybe, if you will. I, in, in certain situations, I'm giving main character energy. <laughs> Spotify, where where is the Goomba Wave playlist? I need to know. God uh, damn. No, yeah, but um, something I wanted to talk about. So, like, it's I've kind of been thinking about this, like, even in terms of, like, yeah, Cardi's music and Uzi and a lot of um, rappers that are popular right now. Like, the... It's funny because people like love like joking around about like ad libs, but like sure. really, I I I feel like there's a much bigger conversation about their use that could be had that people aren't having. Do if do you know what I mean? Because like I I think the way you use like all of these samples in like these little drops in a ton of your songs like the the morris one and then there's the the siren you use sometimes and the sure. dam and then then like the kids cheering uh sure. like i don't know i i think it's really fun to have like when an artist does have like this kind of palette of like drops and ad libs and samples and stuff that gets used throughout the work because i don't know i think it um i don't know i think it i don't i I don't know exactly how to place this but it's like it has to do with like you know like anyone can write like you know this the same love song gets written like a hundred different times every year but like just to so to hear that same love song but with like you're like oh what if it had the this morris drop or this ad lib like that to me yeah. is like yeah. what what makes it interesting sometimes i don't know does that make any sense at all to you it totally does man okay it totally does it's it's kind of a symbolic thing just to be able to like sort of reach your hand into a song and leave almost like this footprint in a way yeah. musical if it happens enough and there's sort of it occurs enough times in the music and people sort of start to understand the symbolic, whatever it is that you're trying to do with it, I think it starts to recede away and becomes just like another part of like, a, you know, this musical soup or something. It just kind of like, it becomes less what you notice and more kind of like, it's almost like the glue that holds everything together. At least that's how I feel about it. I've used it enough times that I don't even think about it now. I listen to my own music back and it's like, those parts aren't even there anymore. There was a lot of time too, you know, before I got into putting my name into those gaps where I left silence there. And people seem to really like that too. So I, 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 I and that's how they get made too. There, there'd be gaps there. And then I'll go in and kind of like do those draws. So maybe like I, as a as an artist, you know, or maybe maybe I shouldn't even say this, but you know, I kind of thought about maybe to make a delineation in people's heads about what the final product is. Maybe those drops should only be in these mixtapes, and the drops 
shouldn't be in the albums and the albums just be those blank spots you no, know that's, 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 that's kind of what i think is fun about it though is like you're i think because you know yeah all these like classic albums throughout history um like you know whatever everyone's favorite beatles album is or their favorite like michael jackson album, okay. or whatever like that sure. those 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 don't have any sort of like samples or ad libs or whatever but those those types of things are like omnipresent throughout like mixtape culture and like all like, yeah. what are what are now like classic mixtapes from yeah, like I got it, bro. yeah so like to i think it in in a way like i i love that you have some of the drops on good morning i love you because it's i i think it's kind of elevating like that's you elevating mixtape culture and like internet oh, music culture like it deserves you like classic status yeah it's almost it's like it it's a it's a sign of the times like just the inclusion of the drop in a way like it, it is like when i scroll through the new rap album that's like almost the first thing i listen to it's like i'm gonna listen to it the night it drops and those first 30 seconds of the track usually are going to tell me who touched that song yeah. and e even the, the the lack of that causes debate online people are like well why didn't Cardi put his drop there where is Wheezy and so I, I, I'm just like really tuned into that like that that gives me a like a thrill in a sense so even just to be able to like participate in that culture that still makes me feel something because I I feel that way when I, I pull up that night I listened to Cardi's new album I was waiting for Pierre's drop like that that meant something to me with that particular record, it's like if it, it, to not have it there, could it was almost like a wrestling. It was like, are they beefing? Like, are they like, <laughs> like what? Where? What did Pierre not come out there? Why did? Why wasn't he out there? These yeah. are things that are going through your mind. So I, I like just to, to think that anyone would even consider me in that pantheon or think that I had anything to do with that world is that gives me a feeling. So that's why it's still there in my music. But then as a creator, now I see all these symbolic reasons why it should be there so I, I hold it proudly the day i get to like get that drop off or get my drops off like that on yay shit that'll be like the crazy shit then it really will be elevated to like an yeah. album status you know what i mean it really will be like god tier when you hear that shit cut through travis scott it'll be like oh and not just at the beginning but like the middle of the it's like woven into the beat like i think i might be the only cat doing that wheezy shit comes at the top Pierre comes at the top, but I got mine's almost like a musical element now that just like it, yeah. it's part of the fabric of the song in a sense. So that if once that happens, then it really will be elevated to the status you're talking about. But that in a weird way, that might be goals for me now that you've said it. Oh yeah. No, that's great. Um no, and also like I think to bring it back to the the DJ stuff, like the and the radio stuff, I, I see it as like it's the the drops are like they're important for many reasons, I think. So there's they keep you so present. That, like yeah. you hear that shit cut out, and you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? No, yeah, and I, <laughs> I see, I see you using all of these drops as, like, also as like maybe I feel, I feel like you you put a lot of importance or like you um, care for a lot of like because you know the these these mixtapes and these radio shows where these drops are really present are like these kind of like 
rap shows but also like dance hall shows and i know you yeah, you're, you're naked, it. bro. Naked. yeah like because I, I love going to I'll, I'll i usually go to see family in new york like once a year and i love like finding whatever like the, the, the dance yeah. hall radio station yeah. and then like you know it's the the dj shouting at you like every five seconds and doing this. like all the drops and like that's just really fun for me and i feel like you probably have a, a similar appreciation for it for sure my family yeah i've been for sure i've heard these types of things the trainees it's like almost like warfare i love i love the sound and so that's a cool thing for me yeah you nailed it um another thing i wanted to get to was um there's the there's the nature element of the uh you've spoken before about the goomba wave and how goomba is about is about being in nature sure um so what what struck me today when i was listening um to i think i was listening to the debut uh album project um and then i i've listened to good morning i love you recently and there there are the nature sounds on tracks on both of those albums like like the whole like outro on good morning i love you is like it's it's, it's kind of like just crickets and like forest sounds kansas nighttime dot wave yeah so no and and i had just so i was listening to all this stuff and then i had just read um so this, this is like not even a question but more of just a thought i had but like you also talk sometimes about like searching for kind of like timeless sounds and melodies when you're making your music just like you, you want you don't want it to be like tied to some like tr like like trend or like you know just really trend. yeah yeah so and then, then i thought about both of those things at the same time i'm like what what is more more timeless than nature i guess you know so it's like it makes yeah, it makes yeah. that you internal use those sounds so hopefully yeah you know, for sure the, now, the, now you're talking warming doesn't fuck up the the timelessness of nature but uh for for now it, it feels pretty timeless <laughs> it's something that we'll get to enjoy but like when you think about the people like past us it's like it, the, the window starts to close like a little bit more and a little bit more and in that way i feel very privileged to be able to kind of like experience it take it in and even sort of like play a part in it because i it's definitely this changing sort of situation. It's not, it's never fixed. It's never a fixed point. It seems yeah. like it's always like, you know, moving around. Have you been spending more time outside since like COVID started sure. and like there's less like indoor stuff to do? For sure. I have 100% been tapped into that. Um, I was really, really into gardening before the quarantine kind of came down, but now I'm, um, now i'm sort of in a spot where uh you know it's, I, it's i'm not in california so it's harder to grow in all season so now i've really been into my like hike bag like really really been into my hike bag i think i went like a three mile yesterday um it's been really using my my walking shoes um the kind of like just to kind of maybe get at your last question too like it's a like you know you brought up some really really good points for me that I kind of like need to like really let resonate. And I need to sit with them just from a 
branding sense or like a artist sense. But the first one being that Kansas City doesn't know or my area doesn't really know, doesn't have the awareness about maybe where I've been. But the second one being something that's come up like a few times, but it's what is the Goomba or what is the Goomba way? And really just clarify for people how all of that sort of intersects with the nature and sort of kind of just like firm that up for people, you know what I mean? Yeah. For like me, I, th I think it's probably pretty subjective, but I know that Jamal and I were always like kind of like different sort of, almost like this sort of sugar and spice sort of like feel. But what we did sort of share was like this, uh, 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 we spent like a lot of time like kicking it out there, like just being kind of like, we weren't like, farming or anything like this but we were definitely like kicking it outdoors like a lot of drugs done outside a lot of smoking i mean part of just being from kansas you know but i think it's kind of like maybe time for me to just like elaborate a little bit more on what the goomba is and kind of like bring that nature sort of home for people us maybe it's like won't be as hard to understand because like we out go outside and it's that way but i think i questioned a lot when i was like when i got coastal they were just like well they maybe didn't have as much of a relationship, an everyday relationship with sort of the outdoor situation or what have you, you know, or they just weren't thinking about it. They were very urbanite. Maybe we need the the official Goomba Wave hiking guide video. Uh -huh. You can explain it to the people that way. Yeah, man, I, it's something, I, I think about like a lot. I, I really have thought about it. I mean, shit. What is Goomba vid? I got a, a, go. a bunch of like uh, sticky notes up here about what I should be doing. So the fact that that kind of came up, it's it's it, it correlates with this nature thing, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate more on that this year. I think the cool thing about working more with video too is that I'm suddenly able to um, tell a more elaborate story. Whereas I feel like it's really tough, for instance, to elaborate what a Goomba is or what Goomba wave sounds like weirdly enough just using the sounds like th yeah. that's not enough to describe it you almost need this full experience like and i you know honestly and this is why Tyler, you don't get the funding for the for the albums and you get the funding for the movies <laughs> true i mean honestly i feel like the guy who understood that the most was tyler the creator dude that's why he he it's very three-dimensional he had yeah. the clothes he had the videos the music like all of it he would use to sort of tell the story he wouldn't just if it was just the music it wouldn't have been as potent in a way yeah, you know? no, it's it's all about it's like, yeah, he was able to like create a, his own small universe, and I feel like once once you a, you guys are able to do more video stuff, like you'll I'm I'm sure you'll have a similar, yeah, yeah. You got it. Um, what else do I want? No, yeah, because you mentioned you want it, you want to do more video stuff this year, and um, it's all I'm know, focused on really. Yeah, because um, I don't know, I think like. Were, had you been like fully off of Twitter for a while, like until like yeah. sometime last year? Yeah, I was very disengaged. Like yeah. before, like 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 uh, almost exactly a year ago, I was like the most obsessed with Instagram I could possibly be. I was uh -huh. doing all this like content. I did like a, a really cool paid animation for like it was like it was a it was an advertising campaign for Adidas. Um, they gave me like I worked with the team to get like all the assets together. It was like a thing. And it just came out on my Instagram. I wasn't even thinking about Twitter. Like they were just more interested in me as a micro influencer is the term I just kept getting. And I could do it all on my own. It was awesome. And at that moment, I was just like, yes, Instagram is my meal ticket. 
not thinking about Twitter at all. But as things have kind of gone on, I've started to deplatform really from all of them. Like I, I want to get off, but Instagram is like the first one on the chopping block. <laughs> Let's just go to Twitter. It's a better way to just focus on the message yep. and less bullshit. Yeah, because I feel like along along with like your changes in social media stuff, um, I don't know. I feel like you have you kind of. Ha- I think you have had more of a like a just open the floodgates approach to like because you, sure. you, you put out like five different EPs and then the the album last year and I don't know what was there a specific moment that made you want to just like be less like kind of behind the scenes about things and just let everyone have it I think you went at it the right way man because like now that I'm thinking about it I gotta be honest like just being on Instagram made me a very self-conscious person and so the only things that I really wanted to participate in were just like really surface level and I didn't have to risk very much. Like getting a paid campaign from Adidas, of course I know that's gonna perform. No matter how many clicks it got, I got paid for it and it was with Adidas, it's like a flex. Yeah. Whereas, you, you know what I mean? It's like it's like a different sort of situation. Now, like, now that I'm off, I'm a lot less self-conscious. I'm a lot less aware of that world that's kind of like very calm. Influencer culture, both being too. So Twitter is like a little bit more hospitable. It's almost like I feel like it's more hospitable for a creator, and Instagram may be more of an aggregator's platform. Unless you're like a really high level creator, unless you're like Kim Kardashian or somebody who's like super botted out with all this engagement, it's really tough to punch through the algorithm. So it's really best to just out aggregate content on there that you already know form whereas on twitter you know every day you get on there's the wild west any it's just very new very fresh for better for worse and so that's where you're able to actually like create in a way like instagram now feels very confined in that way like I, it makes me feel suffocated by perception and awareness of it. just how far the impact is i'm thinking about the algorithm i'm thinking about way too much shit whereas twitter i feel way more empowered as a creator and it's not a, it's not an empowering space at all it's just by comparison to instagram <laughs> and um, youtube being the most it's like the libertarian model it's like so free they want less government they want no oversight really at all you know <laughs> you can get everything pirated <laughs> it's like everything goes no yeah and what 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 i oh because because you mentioned in like the one of the truants interviews you did a while ago that like you were being very conscious about when like back then, like when sure. to post stuff online and like how often to like release music because you wanted, you, you thought like, I will make more of a statement by being very selective about when I post new stuff. So do you think it's just kind of like more of the sign, like the sign of the times that you, ha- you have to like put out, like a, a higher quantity of stuff even if it's not like major projects just to like i don't know uh find more support for sure man like i think especially in the type like I, I took four years off from not making music and when i came back i was like i was listening to music and i was always watching it go but i wasn't really participating in it i was like living life doing my shit. but in that time i just like saw like the whole new tide coming and so now when I wake up every day and I put my artist hat on, I feel like I have a lot of work to do in order to scale all this new ground. 
get new people engaged with what I'm doing, just expose new people to my signal. It's a whole different world now. Like, so with that said, it's kind of like, I kind of can't afford to not be, I need to be on it every single day. I need to be, every, because I took four years off, I need to go as hard as I can in the paint with as much material, everything I can do. I have to fight back against this in a weird way. It's like an algorithm that's squishing me because like there's more and more advanced computers that are coming in through Spotify, iTunes, what have you, to kind of make it harder for your music to get to people. They say it's easier, but I don't know. It's like, unless you pay or there's something going on, it's like I have to increase the volume when I shove it into that system. So there's a fighting chance. And if not, I might never get a chance to permeate people's desk or their speakers ever again in a way like I, I could get buried against just like the rising tide the volume of new music like i have to fight back against that so i'm yeah. gonna be making music and putting it back putting it out like this for indefinitely until i feel like i've clawed myself into a good spot where i don't have to quote unquote yeah no because there's that whole bullshit of like the the spotify ceo is like artists have to put out a new album every year to like remain relevant and make money and it's like it fully sucks that it is that way but like you either, you either have to play the game or not and like if, if you can afford to play the game it's like yeah you might get in there well like trying get in there. To get in there. so yeah get, in there, man. get your hands dirty so that's what yeah, you find out. some some people are like a little like and i i get it like i get like the full like artistic purity it's a privilege, it's like, a privilege though to think that yeah. you wouldn't have to work like what per, if you work if you worked a good year and made tires you think that they're gonna hire you to come in and make tires one time every four years bro no like even if you you ran that tire company you think you as a ceo you're gonna show up one time every four years make all these sweeping changes and just walk away the machines gonna just work no in any other industry it's not okay so as a, a guy who works in the mp3 factory i gotta crank off mp3s every day so it, it, yeah, it really just is like the the decision you have to make of like, do I want to be a working artist, which is like what what sure. you have chosen, or do I want to like make this a fully pure and personal thing, and you know, be subject okay. to sure. yeah, like not finding relevance or whatever, or maybe not even getting being an eat off. You might have to work at like McDonald's or something like that to offset yeah, your no, cost. Yeah, no, because what, what I'm specifically thinking about though is ebony tusks like you know they took like okay. five plus years on their album and it's like amazing and they wouldn't they probably wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise but oh, I see. it's like i think they they made that decision they they knew they thought about that yeah yeah, yeah. well okay you're, you're so there's something the flip side but as as a as a producer it's cool because like i get to work at my own speed but then other artists that i work with they have their whole other timeline like me and leaf for instance have been working on a record together for about four years and it's amazing i don't know when leaf decides he wants to put it out it'll come out it's great you know and likewise with that mall and morris record it's got its four-year timeline on it and so as i put on different hats certain artists just got on i'll wear it for a certain time you know as a more i'm moving really really fast mall and morris i think we're moving on four-year five-year cycle and working with other artists and just see how that kind of like, it's almost a privilege that I get because I get to um, experience all of those different timelines. But the problem for me is that suddenly you might not be able to like survive if you're waiting for a bunch of people who are on a five-year timeline. Yeah. If you're waiting for all of the press, if I was waiting for Leaf 
for five years to put out his new record, I wouldn't have been eaten. So I gotta like turn up on Morris. I gotta go DJ. I gotta go be a working artist. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of funny. Like I, I even have been more cognizant of like seeing this happen in like rock music right now too, because like on on like a on like a huge scale, there's like Matt Skiba going to play in Blink One Eighty Two because Tom left, and then like in his remaining time, he he gets to go back and do Alkaline Trio or whatever. But then oh. also, like there are all these like younger hardcore bands that like they have their like tough hardcore project, and then they have like their pop project. So like if if both of them are decent enough, they, don't they, can, they can tour all year and like just hop between like their two or three projects they have and effectively be working artists even though like maybe their vision of like of you know when they were a kid like being in one giant band and like I you see. know that's that's not realistic for a lot of people i understand so yeah yeah you gotta make it work for you in a sense i saw king gizzard turn up though and they really punched through the voice for me that like the year that they put out those seven records i was so plugged into king gizzard i was like yep. what are they going to do now i really really enjoy like that ethic meant something to me because especially because I know they're a band. It's like putting that many people into a room, making that many decisions. Like it's like it fucked me up a little bit. It's like, damn, okay. I yeah, was no, paying attention. I, I guess it's I'm sure it's probably like I've listened to a couple of the records. Like I don't I'm not a huge fan, but like I'm sure it does become kind of fun when you're invested in it and being like, Oh, this is probably like when they let this member get to decide this stuff and like yeah, yeah it kind of opens up yeah. like a a whole universe like that for sure um i wanted to ask about um no yeah because yeah you mentioned the the mom more stuff you've been working on the the sequel to good morning i love you that is sure yeah basically Great. finished you sent me a link um yeah uh yeah it's still need mix it like at all but we kind of get it just kind of get it out a little bit just like let people get on top with it since it's in purgatory yeah no but uh it has my full endorsement any um record company that is listening should probably hit you up about it i know you, you don't you may not have a maybe you maybe you do need a, a visual mood board to because you, you mentioned you wanted to do like visual stuff with it right for sure. And uh, we have like uh, a really cool book that we put together, like um, like a coffee type table style book. Like we shot like so many amazing images. We actually, our good friend Simran uh, lives in Los Angeles. She's from Cupertino, but she lives in LA. She's a really good photographer. Um, she actually did like the uh, photography and I think graphic design for Queen and Slim, that, that Netflix show. Mm -hmm. But she shot us like a fully styled shoot. Her good friend, Kay Marquez, does. She's Ocean's personal stylist. So she styled me and Maul for like a, a probably like a hundred page shoot. And we put it together. We're still waiting on like text blurbs. This kind of all being new of the liner notes. But I, I always imagined that this would be sort of the mood board like for the for the album or if there were going to be accompanying visuals is just dig deeper into what yeah. we just put into print because we could do that you know yeah that's great um are, so yeah no i i wanted to know like do you kind of just like want is that do you want like a really big like 
label placement for that album to happen or like do you just want it to happen on vinyl or like what what are, what are your kind of like wants for for that whole project because I, I hope it okay. comes out the, the way yeah for sure. let, let, let's put it out there let's just put it out there almost as a way for me to like reclaim to like just like claim we're gonna manifest it <laughs> we're gonna totally manifest the shit so okay so in the there's there's a few ways that albums get sold um sometimes you fuck it. basically the way that we want to do it is we want to license that album to the lit the biggest largest entity that we possibly can and usually a licensing deal will have stipulations it'll be about region it'll be about uh the duration it'll be all these like negotiating terms that we can really go back and forth on but the main crux is that we retain ownership whether it be in the immediate future or even just like we just gotta we're gonna hash it out but it has to be licensed and really we really want to be able to get like a uh not even in advance like they need to just be able to uh, to break us off in, in exchange for that license and this is how like a lot of albums do get sold like uh when you're especially when you're talking about records that get upstreamed from smaller labels they will start the big bigger label will go and fucking pick it up like uh let me think of a good example rye a woman that record came out totally indie like i think maybe even a year before even anybody heard it and i think it got upstream with polydor they licensed it to them and the label licensed it to them because rye had already sold the record but that's just how it goes but we maintain ownership over it we get full rights over it it's not no label owns it so we are in a good position to be able to license it on our own and uh, yeah i really want to be able to get like 40k 50k off that record um on, on that side alone and we can you know that's not even touching the publishing that's not even published touching the pub we can talk about that um if the label itself like many labels has like a functioning publishing side um i'm willing to consider having that conversation but i want to retain ownership of that almost like outright they get the the license the rights for the master to be able to distribute it in their methods maybe they handle the 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 digital the vinyl and the cassette, however they see fit, and we we just gotta hash it out. It's a licensing deal. It's a licensing deal. <laughs> that's that's the key. And uh, you know, Stone's Throw understands that. They knew fully who they were sort of getting involved with when we when we got involved with one another. Like I had, we had the A and R that we worked with. We had the same agent when we were both working as artists matthew david like we shared some similar people in the team so they always knew me as sort of this kind of like outsider nah he's gonna do things his own way kind of way but as things got further and further into it it became obvious that like it, we were gonna require like a, maybe a little bit of help to sort of like push it through and they these guys would be able to sort of help facilitate that and so like we did the you know we did the song and dance in a sense but I'm still just not sure about the fate of that record just because of the way that the uh, priorities of the label lay at this point. And that's honestly just kind of putting it like <laughs> politically nice, you know, yeah. like the priorities are in a different spot and Doom just died too. So they're in a spot where they never have to put out another record to turn a profit. They don't kind of don't care. And they're one of their biggest breadwinners, like just died. Like their whole mode is completely different. So our chances of that happening are like slim. But meanwhile, we recorded it two blocks down the street. You know, Maul and Tom Richmond had done, a, were working on a record together 
And the main engineer down there at Stone's Throws is this guy named Colin. Colin's Tom Richmond's roommate. So they're all kicking it. They greenlit Stone's Throw, let Maul record and mix his album there at Stone's Throw. Even. So we're like in the pipeline. Like they're engineering our shit. Is even. that the, the Butane album? Yeah, and that's kind of behind the scenes. Like, there's there's no where that will there's since there's no liner notes even. There's no reason for it to even get printed anymore. But yeah. like, they did this with full awareness, knowing that we're all kind of like stumbling towards like this uh, a larger conversation. And where it lay right now, I just don't think they're like there's there's this just not, I don't think it's gonna be a good fit anymore. Yeah. No, that's hope hope it didn't make you disclose more than you wanted to there. I was just curious because it is a very ambitious project that I, I don't you think it should be upstream? Like you heard the record, like it would that record will hit so much different coming out like from a label. And to be honest with you, bro, like I told like it's not just me. It's like Lucas and Alex Cheney, two amazing performers. Like I told them after the end of our last tour, like in Mall 2. It's like, I'm never going to ask you guys to just get into a Hertz van that we rented. Like the next record, the next project that we do, we're being a sprinter. This is going to be a completely different and better experience. We're all going to be five years older. So our knees are going to need that much more leg room. We're not going to leave for less than a sprinter. And so since that hasn't happened, we're not going to do it. But don't, but don't you think that that record deserves to be like. Yeah, it deserves a. It deserves compared to especially elevated above our other like. Work. A, a fader premiere of some sort and just lay out like a lot of promo and all that because sure. yeah. we did the fader shit on our last shit and it didn't even do anything for us like mm -hmm. the fader debuted no, i'm yeah. gone i i I'm more yeah i mean more like basically just like the the major cosine of it like because the, the you know those the magazines and the blogs and everything still play into it how matters. how you yeah. stuff as a indie musician so yeah, it matters, man. It totally matters. We, I think that that record deserves that. They might not talk about AA or anything else that I'll do or more or Mall even, but that record and Mall and Morris, like they deserve to sit above the rest. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I've I've taken pl plenty of your time. I'll I want to hit a few quick things before we're done. Sure. Sure. Um, no, yeah. So you've been doing uh, the Pop Morris Five. Um, so that's the the first four were like these, just kind of like hour long mixes that you would yeah. compose. Well, the last one was like th I did like three hours, but oh, I, yeah, I, I kind of was that three? up in hour, in hour blocks. Okay, yeah, but yeah, the 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 latest series of them, Pop Morris Five, is you're putting out in kind of like podcast form, and. Um, no, I, I was listening to one of the episodes today and I love, you had the Craig David uh, mashed up with Lady Gaga <laughs> and then the Uzi over the Darude Sandstorm yeah. also really sick. Um, no, yeah, so, and I, I just, I like, I, I think the the Popmore series, I'm, I'm sure it's been at least somewhat beneficial to you so far in like, maybe building on your audience because like, I don't know, it, it is like this like long DJ mix effectively, but like you're, you're using like, yeah, that's the title. Like you're using like almost all pop song, like songs that like really any casual yeah. music fan knows about. So I feel like that's, it's pretty easy to have like crossover there. Like, cause 
I'm sure like you can do like just as much of a mix of like obscure kind of deep cuts for like for the heads or whatever if you want to but like this is kind of a cool bridge into the world of like dj mixes for like yeah. a more casual fan and more, as someone casual. that's not really versed in like electronic music and dj stuff i i appreciate it and it, all the mixing is really cool thank you man i love doing it um i i appreciate you actually like sent it too because it's a lot but yeah, i like doing it it's fun and the honestly pound for pound like if i look at my sales on bandcamp i think that pop morris has done the best for me so like especially like cd sales people like really like to listen to it for some reason and just like buy it from me so i i keep it going because i like doing it but people seem to also enjoy it in some neck of the wood especially japanese people i get like a lot of japanese people on twitter like talking about pop morris i'm like what the hell are you <laughs> okay that's cool that's great um no yeah and all of your recent releases and even a chunk of your back catalog is on your your band camp right now and you're you're making like kind of custom like limited edition cds like are, are they basically like made to order at this point yeah yeah, yeah i mean cool. that's the way they had been up till like this last couple months and then now that i'm sort of laying it a little bit more i got like a new flow where i'm sort of sort of there's just a little bit elevated. I'm like sort of making them buy the release. You can kind of like see what's what's going to be in. It's got a cover and like a little OB strip that will actually tell you like, you know, what information there, there is about the release and shit. But it's still just direct straight from me. I'm giving, yeah, you just got to kind of purchase one, but I'm trying to put more information on the CD than I did before. So oh, yeah. you might be surprised right now. Those are at goombawave.bandcamp.com. Those are, yep. yeah, yes, sir. We can go grab those and so yeah there's the pop morris mixes and then the uh the instrumental eps you've been putting out and some of the, the back catalog um and lastly maybe most importantly you have candles i still have candles the candles tell, tell me about the the candle journey thus far the candle game has been very, very nice to your boy. <laughs> I, I see candle maker in my future. I, I mean, I, I just enjoyed doing it. And I had been buying a lot of really nice designer candles um, from France and just like all over the place. Just, just really doing it. That's, that's really what I was doing in my time off was gardening and buying expensive perfumes and shit like this to get clothes and shit in Japan. So now I'm like, well, how do I kind of, add to that instead of like having to go out and buy everything that i like what, what would it be like to make like trying to engineer some of these things yeah. and so that's how i got to the candle and the candle was like perfect because like you can you can actually make that and so that's been cool man i'm working on my second fragrance right now um which i think will be more for uh kind of like snobs or something but i think it's gonna smell really good and it's gonna have like a live weed shake in it so it, it, it'll be like hmm and actually this this is this is this is the tidbit for everybody for like making it this far is that my next shit is like the candle thing was just to kind of get people plugged but i'm really been working as a coffee roaster and so morris coffee co is like really like the main shit like i haven't even showed pictures or any of these kinds of things yet but i want people to like get into the coffee thing with me this year that's what you're gonna see me turn up on turn up the bunsen burner and uh get a really really good dark roast 
<laughs> it's really exciting. What what are what are the what's the what sense do you have on on the the candles so far? I'm interested. Okay, well, there's only one available now. It's a lemongrass basil, and it's got live basil flecks in it, so it's got a very nice green light, almost like spring sort of feel to it. But uh, it's it's nice, and the, I, I should I might as well tell them. Okay, the second one is is tobacco vanilla with weed in it. It's like pretty much my essence. It's like what I would be wearing if I if you if you were to just pull up on me and give me a hug. So it's good. It's good. No, that's great. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to plug before we we wrapped up here? Yep. No, man, you're amazing podcast. Like you honestly dove deeper than I ever could have even imagined. So thanks. <laughs> I'm glad I, I I feel like the the occasion called for it. Um, yeah, I no, I remember next level. Yeah, no. Um, where can people find you on social media and everything? At this point, just at P Morris, or you can reach out to me on email Morris at MorrisMakes.com, and I will get back to you. Um, if you send me like your shipping address, I'll send you a drop box, like a uh, like a care package with some shit maybe not the candles but I'll, I'll definitely send you something to sink your teeth into i promise oh sweet um yeah no and people can follow at shellcock mag on facebook twitter and instagram shellcockmusic.com is the website shellcockmag.bigcartel.com is the web store there's t-shirts photo zines and buttons and uh soda podcast prints are available oh, uh, maybe like 15 of those are left my friend patrick did some great uh, Pat did some great uh, Resograph prints, uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, what else do I have? I don't. I don't have anything else. Thank you again for being. You shipped them in a tube. What's up? Oh no, they're they're just like. Uh, you ship them. In? No, they're they're like U.S. letter size. So I just put them in like uh-huh. a flat, like kind of Manila envelope style envelope, and just send them. So yeah. Uh yeah no thank, I'm thank in. you for. I'm in. for That's- being on the show yeah i'll i'll, I'll get you one <laughs> sounds good um, man I'm thank gonna, you again for having me yeah of course i'm gonna stop the recording now